I am super excited to have you back for another episode of Red Receipt. It's a deep dive into the how and why of the brands we love and the creatives behind them. From blueprints to launch day, customers as community, and the detours in between. Big lessons and easy listening. Red Receipt is hosted by Antidote, the email and SMS marketing agency by people who hate boring email. I'm excited to be joined by our friends Jill and Britta of Wildling Beauty, the LA-based beauty brand that's rooted in Chinese tradition. Alongside their partner Gianna, Jill and Britta created Wildling to reconnect nature with a daily routine. Inspired by the Gua Sha ritual, the trio built their brand on three simple values, to be green, sustainable, and wild. Since launch, they've created a buzz around their products, built an amazing community, and an elegant online shop. We sit down with them to learn a bit more behind the scenes, the roots of the Gua Sha ritual, and what it's like to make such a unique product. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Red Receipt. I always like to just start out um, by getting kind of a just both of you to introduce yourselves and then give kind of a background of before uh, before the brand, what you your background is and what you guys were doing and kind of how it led into to launching the brand. Yeah. Do you want to start, Gianna? Um, I'll let you start with um, our inception story. So, yeah. So my background is, it's three of us. It's myself, Gianna and Britta is our third partner. And, uh, we founded this, uh, founded Wiling in the end of 2018. And my background is in beauty, the beauty industry. I've been working in beauty for 20 years for various different companies doing product development, primarily international marketing, that sort of thing. Um, and it kind of started, the business started when I was actually not working. I had just had my first child and was in the not working mode. Um, and, uh, I was, I had t- went out to take a workshop with Britta actually, who I did not know at the time. And this was many years, like several years ago. Um, in, um, in Playa del Rey, actually, she was doing a workshop on guasha and I had never heard of guasha and I thought it sounded really interesting. So I went what? ahead and took the workshop and I thought it was such a powerful technique and really uh, amazing. I've been studying herbalism and all these traditional, um, type of ancient remedies and getting really into that at that time. And I just thought it was so awesome. The technique she was teaching and she was teaching it from a place of Britta is, um, background is a holistic esthetician and really, um, has been practicing Gua Sha in her practice for many years and really found profound results with this technique instant results right there on her clients and really was trying to teach this to her clients and to people because it's, it's really a self-care practice that has been practiced for so many years in ancient China. It, it, it originates from, and it's, it's really a folk remedy that has been practiced at home. And so she really wanted to teach people how to do it for themselves um, as well. So they can maintain this in between their treatments. And I just thought it was such a powerful technique and um, really very simple, um, 
so I, I approached her at the end of the workshop and I was like, wow, this is such a beautiful technique that you're teaching and so powerful. And to see the results, um, that would like, I recommended to her about, cause you have to use an oil on your face when you're practicing the, the gua sha technique. And, um, she was just offering a general oil in the class and a general stone, basic stuff, you know? And I was like, you know, it would be so awesome if you created, this is me coming from my like product development beauty background. If you created products that really specifically targeted the technique that you're teaching it, what, you know, have having the hydrating step and then the oil step, but the, the products would be based on, on, you know, ingredients that really maximize the benefits of gua sha, um, clearing the lymphatic system, energizing the blood circulation, and then having a stone that was more, you know, shaped in the way that you would really want, like a specific custom shape. Um, and she was like, wow, that sounds so awesome. I would, that would be amazing. She's like, but I actually have no idea how to do that. <laughs> and I was like, well, I do. And I'm like, we should kind of collab and do like something, you know, offer something for you, for you to have for your workshop. So it started there and it was a long road of creating what now is wildling. And, um, Gianna joined joined the trio, um, really having this awesome background, which she can speak to more in Chinese medicine and gua sha. And um, being here in LA, Britta was living in New York at the time. So the three of us came together and created Wildling. And as we began to develop the concept of the brand, it became a collaboration of more than just this little gua sha idea. It became um, a brand that we really wanted to bring forward the concept of ancient traditions, um, ancient beauty practices uh, forward to the modern human and really being able to teach those to people so that they aren't lost, that they're remembered and these powerful practices that are continued to be practiced in their, in their societies and regions, but something that we wanted to bring forward to people here. I mean, at the time I had never heard of Kwasha at all. Like I had no idea what it was. No one here on the West coast really knew it unless you're, you know, from China, which most Chinese people from China know it because it's, it's been there forever. Um, and so it was just something we, we just wanted to bring forward. And um, it was, you know, a combination of, of wanting to start with Guasha, but really wanting to bring forward all different ancient modalities that felt right for us to bring forward. And then I also, as I mentioned, been studying herbalism. So bringing forward that traditional herbalism practice in the formulas. So all of our formulas are based off of traditional herbal medicine. They're, they're infused by the traditional practices of infusion and pulling wild and organic plants that maximize the gua sha results into the products. So we're also kind of bringing that herbalism forward in our products as well. Um, so that was kind of the concept. And then also this concept of empowering women to have the power to take care of the self-care in their own hands and not feeling like they had to pay someone to go and get a treatment and have results and continue to do this. It was something that they could just do for themselves at home and really have that own power in their hands, as well as um, just the self-love that it offered. It was like a time that you're giving someone to have for themselves and to really connect with what's going on in their body, in their face. So that's something that's we've heard, you know, with our testimonials and feedback that's been really powerful as people is like, 
just having the time to myself to really focus on me in this moment and really connecting with what's going on has been so powerful for me. And that's something that, you know, is, is something we also, so it's self-love, self-empowerment and, you know, caring for ancient rituals. So that kind of became and, the fuller concept of the brand. And can you, uh, can you describe the process or the technique of gua sha just so that people have an understanding of what that looks yeah, like? Yeah, absolutely. Gianna, do you want to do that? Describe the... Sure. Um, sure. I'm happy to talk about gua sha all day, every day. Um, <laughs> um, gua sha is one of the oldest pillars of Chinese traditional Chinese medicine. And it's a really beautiful, very simple, very profound um, healing technique that is like translates to scraping sand and um, and essentially uh, the sha or the sand refers to these red bumps that appear in the skin, um, which symbolizes from a Chinese medicine perspective, kind of like bringing this stagnation up to the surface of the skin so that it can clear and going back to like when I first started doing this practice in 2005 as like a young acupuncture student um, in school gua sha was one of the first things that they empower you to use on the patients who are coming into the clinic and people can come in for pain cold flu any of these illnesses and um, you essentially apply this like firm surface like some of the more traditional materials are oxhorn, beyond stone, um, which is what our tool is made of. Um, and then some people would use like these very modern tools. I even had like a professor whose favorite tool was like the lid to like the tiger balm. There's all different there. It's been called like coining, spooning um, in different cultures. But essentially what it is, is that you oil the skin and then you apply firm pressure with the edge of one of these tools um, across the skin. And it almost has this action of like if you were to take a firm surface when people like scrape the bottom of the face and it pulls all of the silk up to the surface and it like creates this very muddy water um, with the, the, the pressure of that edge against the skin. It's pulling all of the stagnation out from the, the muscle layer, from the tissue layer, so that you have more flow and more chi, um, blood and chi moving through the surface of the skin, which instantaneously, in many cases, reduces pain, reduces tension, um, you know, clears fever. Um, this is kind of like the roots of the practice. Um, and then somewhere along the way, it's, it's not as well documented when gua sha began to be used on the face um, because it was obviously more of a beauty ritual. And most of the texts that mention gua sha are talking about it as like a really profound healing technique. So um, the history of its use in the home, especially for beauty, isn't as well traced. And, and we never use the same type of pressure on the face that we use on the rest of the body. Um, so no one's walking around with like black and blue faces, hopefully from doing facial gua sha. Um, but, um, typically it's these more like muscular areas of the body, like the back of the neck and between the shoulder blades and these like joint areas where you will kind of elicit a mark that looks similar to cupping, which is becoming more mainstream. People are more aware of what it looks like to be cupped. 
Um, but yeah, it's this action of kind of scraping the skin with, with oil on it, with like a, a tool. And in our case, um, a fancy tool that we dreamed up. And uh, this might be a naive question, but uh, how often how often do you recommend people doing the practice? Um, that varies. So when we talk about our facial gua sha system, we recommend that people do that at least two to three times a week in order to really get results. Um, when we're talking about body gua sha, um, you know, in a medical sense, it would be like far less frequently um, because you would generally go see a practitioner for that type of specialized treatment. Um, and that would be kind of like as needed. But as we have created our gua sha system, this is something that people can do in their home. They can use it consistently to see really good results for lymphatic drainage and um, anti-aging benefits and you know decreases in facial tension and then we have just released also our new body tool which is the same this is kind of like um, a, a body dry brush that you would use and a gua sha tool and products that you would use on your skin again about two to three times a week for maintaining the flow of energy in the body and also improving the skin's texture decreasing cellulite or um, muscle pain or other things like that there's so many side effects to having an increased lymphatic flow in the body. So as far as we are concerned, we would say like at least two to three times a week up to daily is appropriate um, for our product line. And, and how did you, uh, how did you originally come to find the practice of Gua Sha? I came to find the practice of Gua Sha um, again in 2005 when I first started studying Chinese medicine. Um, I, you know, came to that practice in more of like a traditional way of like learning the medical benefits of it. And again, because it's like relatively safe to practice, it was one of the first things that I was able to do um, at, I went to the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine in, in San Diego. And it, it immediately when you start acupuncture school, you're, you're working in the clinic at like kind of shadowing other practitioners who are more learned than you are. Um, and Gua Sha was something that they kind of let the lower level um, students actually get their hands on people and use. So um, I was very taken by the technique very early on because, you know, it's really satisfying to get results and it's even more satisfying to get instantaneous results. So at the time I was a student and I was like doing some massage therapy and, um, you know, beginning to, you know, work on, work on bodies in that way. And so I, I really came to Gua Sha as like a healing technique um, through Chinese medicine. And so after, after you guys had the idea uh, to develop the product and, and the tools uh, for the practice, what was the process like bringing bringing the product to life and actually developing the product? Were you guys still working in other jobs and other capacities at this time? And, and was it viewed more as like a, a project or, or did you have the vision for a larger brand at that time? Um, 
We really, you know, when Jill approached me about it, um, you know, from the beginning, I, I was at that time starting to work more in the facial acupuncture space and was very passionate about offering an alternative to people to, um, you know, that people can do instead of more drastic measures like plastic surgery or injectables. I just didn't feel like there was a good alternative out there. And so we came at it with like, we want to put this out there. Like what we, what we created Wildlink to be was what we had envisioned it to be, I think, from the beginning. Um, and I'm sure Jill would agree on that. We, we really wanted something that people could do in the home. And um, our, our passions for this practice all united for us to really feel like it was important, an important thing that was missing. Like when we stepped out in the gua sha space, it was something that people were still receiving from some practitioners and there was some education on it. It was out there. You had to dig for it. But um, it became far, it's become since like far more popular for personal use as part of like an everyday beauty routine. And so um, we really wanted to put out the best possible products that we could um, that would help people learn how to use it and get really good results. And, and Jill, speaking, speaking to the product development uh, from, from your background, what was it like developing the product? And then I'm also curious in terms of um, your philosophy on sourcing ingredients uh, and just what the process looked like bringing that to life. Um, so, um, yeah, the product development process being part of a startup, um, was fun and challenging at the same time, but I, you know, I've I'm been doing it for so long that for me, it was just kind of, you know, making another product with all the challenges that come along the way. So yeah, it was, um, it went pretty, pretty well. We had some challenges with, you know, we're creating a brand new shape for our stone working with China because that's the only place in the world that makes guasha stones and also has beyond stones. So we, you know, have no choice but to work with them in that. And um, so that was challenging. I would say was probably the most challenging part with the product development was just getting the shape right and working with them from so far away um, and getting the quality right and all of that. So, um, but once we were able to achieve that, that was, that was really awesome to be able to get that happening correctly. Um, and I would say other challenges were just, um, being able to, you know, being able to, uh, kind of like with, we were, were basically self-funded and bootstrapped the whole time. So it was being able to create a business and products that without, with very little, funding. So that was challenging and really trying to be, you know, really critical with how we spend our money. Um, and then also, um, I would say just the resources available for supporting the process was challenging too. Again, the same thing, only having so much to work with. So just being kind of spread everywhere, I would say in the development process, that was the biggest challenge. And then as far as, you know, the ingredients part of it, like I had prefaced in the beginning is just was really focusing on, I also formulated the products. So focusing on traditional herbal medicine and working with plants that are grown, you know, locally and, somewhat locally. We work with mainly plants grown in the Western part of the United States and some in Canada. 
Um, and we also work with some international. I think, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think you have to like really tell the story about kind of like the, the fact that you like looked for ingredients yeah, that had this kind of ancient value yeah. to them. Um, the story is so great. That's, that's kind of what I'm curious about too, because just yeah. you talking lightly about the ingredients, it sounds like a fascinating. It really is. I mean, I'm so passionate about plants. I like feel like they're like my best friends. Like I love plants and I've read so many books. I'm also very passionate about our ancestry and like the knowledge that comes from that and learning from kind of like really ancient, especially with herbalism, because herbalism was so widely practiced in actually not even that long ago. I mean, several hundred years ago was really the only way that people were treated medicinally was through plants. Modern medicine isn't actually that old. Um, So reading through like more traditional books, you learn so much about like the way that um, plants were used. And, you know, I have, I have a bunch of different books from like the 1700s and reading through those books, um, I really was able to learn about some really awesome plants that were used like these the women of that time would create like housewife books and being a housewife was a really big job. Like they basically cared for their family, their, their village, the, their neighbors, they had big gardens that grew all their food and their, their medicines And they had all different kinds of things that they would offer in these books of like how to maintain their, the life there. And so part of that was like beauty recipes and remedies. And they were of course all based off of plants that they had grown and they would fresh press all the oils. Like everything was like done themselves. Um, And one of the ingredients that I had continually seen in a few different books from a few different recipes um, was the balm of Gilead. And I was like, what is this? ingredient like people keep saying it preserves the bloom of youth i'm like this sounds amazing like where can i find some balm of gilead a lot of the plants you know are not as relevant today they were like more ancient type of plants but that one i was like looking for and i was able to find a farm up in the pacific northwest that produces a balm of gilead oil and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to try this. And so that was really awesome. And that's in our Empress Oil. Um, and that's kind of, again, coming from... And all of the the recipes are from like plants that were used during that time for skin healing benefits um, from different ancient herbalists and, and traditional um, like recipes and stuff like that. So the, the formulas are based off of really like ancient medicinal plants. Um, rather than just like more modern type of plants that we think of. So that's why a lot of people aren't like, or we're like, what is the bomb? I've never even heard of that, you know? And some of them are common like frankincense and myrrh, but these were used then. I mean, we know those are very ancient resins. Um, so those are in our oil as well, but there's some other resins that are not as well known that were all used in these books for like healing, like um, skin tissue and scars and for repairing and renewing and all of the things that we would want for our skin products. Um, and how- that's kind of where where I came up with the ingredients again, it was like, not like, it's something that I'm just kind of trying to carry forward versus like invent myself. So I just blended through like some of those with experimenting with different ingredients. So that was kind of how those came about. 
And, um, and then again, following those traditional practices of infusing the plants themselves into oil. So they go, they go out into the fields and they pick these, these buds off the trees that are like the, those are the bomb of Gilead trees. Um, it's a balsam poplar tree and they're like these red plump juicy buds that they pick off the trees and they take them from the, they pick them from the forest. They put them in the oil fresh right there. They infuse the oil for, for several months with these buds. And then they extract the buds and, um, and filter the oil. And you're left with this like amazing potent oil that's extracted all the nutrients. And that's traditionally how it's been done. So that's kind of how our, we're trying to follow those type of practices of extraction. Um, and then the plant water, the tonic or empress tonic, which is the first step in the ritual. We have three steps in our empress ritual is the empress tonic, empress oil, and then the stone, the guasha stone. Um, so the Empress tonic is made of plants as well that have been wild harvested and they take them in big copper stills and they go out into the wild and they pick like our sweet fern is one of the plants in there. That's one of the power, most powerful plants for clearing the lymphatic system, which is what guasha does. Um, so again, back to like creating products that really maximize what guasha's benefits are. Um, so sweet fern is picked from the wild and then they put them in these stills and they press out the plant cellular water and that's what's in the bottle. It's just fresh pressed plant water. Um, so that, that's also very traditional practice of distilling plants. Um, so that, that's kind of how the formulas are made. And I'm really passionate about that. So that was like a really fun part of it all is creating these like beautiful, um, formulas for people. And, and for me, it was really bringing something forward that was, that had, that was magical, you know, that felt like really like I, you know, have been made, I've made a lot of different products and I don't feel like I would want to buy a lot of them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I want to create products that feel like really, really special and awesome, but still able to obviously scale and make them sustainable. Um, so, you know, it is a balance, but but that was, that was something that as a brand, we really wanted to offer something that was really like special and powerful and had like really powerful healing benefits. And that's what we're hearing from our feedback is like that they really work. I mean, the products really work. So, cause they're just, they're very potent and they're medicinal plants. It so sounds like, there. it sounds like a fun, uh, a f almost like adventure finding people. Yeah that are even doing, like, how did you find the farm? Uh, I don't know how I, I, I'm able to, I think I was like a detective in a past life or something, but I literally am able to find like things. I have no idea. Like I just searched, um, and kept searching and I was able to find them and I was super happy because they are an awesome partner and they, are so connected with the same things that we are and they, you know, have a huge farm and they grow a bunch of different stuff and they, they follow all the traditional methods and all of that. And they do a lot of wild crafting. So, so it ended up being a search for bomb of Gilead that turned out to be like a really awesome partner in supporting them too, just being a, a farm, you know? So that was, that was really great as well. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's a lot of like Google searching and talking to people and figuring it out, you know? And they, and you said they wild harvest. Yeah, they do. They, the balm of Gilead is grows wild in the forests. So that's where they go out. They actually like, they don't have farms of the balm of Gilead. They farm other ingredients, but the, the balm of Gilead is wild. And so is the Douglas fir, which is in our Empress tonic that grows 
wild in the forest there as well. And then the sweet fern is also a wild plant that's harvested as well. So we, we use a combination of wild plants and farmed organic plants, but primarily wild. Most of our stuff is wild. And, and in, in terms of launching the brand, like, uh, how did you guys think about launching and getting the product out there? Was it more based around education of the practice? Yeah. I mean, education has really been the most powerful way for us to really get things out there to people is just providing the education. Cause the, the gua sha that we're offering requires education. Like it's not something that you can just like the roller was really the gateway to what we offer the Jade roller so that is something that doesn't require education, but it's still a form of gua sha. But what we offer is like, you really wouldn't intuitively know how to use it. So education for us has been really important. And then we just, as far as getting it out there, just social media has been really like super important for us as far as like reaching people. So Yeah. To me, it's a, it's surprising looking from the outside in that you guys uh, did it um, in a bootstrapped and mostly self-funded manner, just seeing like the, um, momentum that you've gained over a relatively short period of time. And also the look and feel of the brand feels very elevated to me from the outside. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's quite a, um, a game to be able to create something with little money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I definitely agree. Uh, what do you th- what do you think some of the uh, lessons have been that you've learned since launching the brand? And also, do you view the fact that you launched it in a bootstrapped manner as an advantage now that now that you've built up a business? Yeah, I mean, I think the the launching it as a bootstrapping brand, you know, we started out that way because we really didn't have that much of a choice. Um, but then we also were approached by a lot of people to invest and we kind of just decided not to, cause we were, we decided not to take up their offers because we felt like we had the momentum going and we didn't really need to do that. So we preferred to have our own kind of control uh, on the business and not be, you know, having to to give up any of that to an investor. So yes, it was it was like in hindsight, I think definitely the path for us, and um, and feels really good to to not have to have any outside investors to you know be connected with. So that's, and and being able to kind of like get the returns quicker, you know, so that, that, that's been, I think in hindsight, since things have been able to kind of self-fund themselves has been definitely the the right path for us. However, in the beginning, we definitely were like open to really any options. We, we met with a lot of different um, venture capitalists and a lot of, uh, most of them, you know, actually came to us and were really interested in what we were doing. Um, so we did talk with a lot of different people, but we didn't end up going that route. Um, and just initially, I mean, I think again, because of the background that we have and, and kind of strategically putting together this business with, um, the right people like our, myself and my, and our, and Gianna and Britta, like 
made it so that we would be able to start this business with very without having to use too many other resources. Like obviously you have to pay for the physical products, but we didn't need to pay a lab to formulate them for us, which is really costly. We didn't need to, you know, pay somebody to help us with the whole product development process. Like we basically just like spent some, we had to spend money on the physical goods and on our creative. But for the most part, we were able to do a lot of it ourselves, just having the knowledge and experience. So that was really helpful and was able to save us a lot of money in the beginning. So, and then we just kind of like, you know, being able to work with the tools that are out there, they make it, it's in these days, this day and age, it's, you're able to start a business, you know, it's, you don't have to like pay so many people for everything. Like, you know, there's, there's all the platforms out there that really make it so you can look, look nice and, you know, look professional without having to spend a ton of money. So. Yeah. I've talked to a few different founders recently and I, I feel like, um, not having the outside influence or the pressure involved in the early days of launching something new, especially when you care so much about the origin of the ingredients Mm -hmm. and, and in general, the outcome of the product, it seems like you almost have to set it up in a way where it can uh, fund itself over time so that you're not, subject to making more short term yeah decisions it really i mean we wanted to be able to work like gianna is an acupuncturist and she has an acupuncture practice and britta is an esthetician and she has an esthetician practice and several other um parts of her business that she works on and you know like there's there's these aspects where we're like okay i guess we could work this all in but like all the investors, they want you to be like in an office working full time, like for good reasons. I mean, they're putting their money into this. They want to see that you're like building a team and that you really are like putting every moment of your time into it, um, which we really are. But we're also trying to be able to like be moms and have other ventures as well. So that was part of it as well. So we were like, okay, well, we kind of want to do this on our own terms and that's not going to work if we get an investor that we don't get to do it on our own terms anymore. And it it didn't seem like we really needed it. So we were just like, we'll just, you know, figure it out. Yeah. I also, uh, I mean, it seems like the acupuncture practice and everything feeds into the same yeah kind of system like in general you guys are educating people on a an ancient but newer right practice to people nowadays yeah um so it seems like having the acupuncture practice it just like keeps everyone uh involved in the education process of health yeah. and wellness and mm-hmm. self-care yeah yeah, no, it's all part of it. It's, it's, I mean, that's why we joined together because of the backgrounds that they have and it's all part of it, but it's also, um, takes up, you know, a portion of their, their time because it's like a separate business too, you know, but they're, that's why they're great. Gianna and Britta are so great for wildling is because they are experts in what they do and what they're educating. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's been a real, it's been like a more challenging aspect of like a startup but 
it's also like having my practice allowed me to like be able to do wildling because I still was able to do my practice, um, especially as like a self-funded entity and a new mom. Um, it's, it's really empowering in this environment and this climate of um, Gua Sha being such a big thing. Um, and 90% of the people who are selling Gua Sha tools have no connection to the roots. And so it's, you know, I feel like it's been really important for us, for all of us, whether it's like through Jill and connecting with like the authentic topical herbalism to, um, you know, Britta connecting with like all of the truly holistic, like cutting edge esthetician practices and also being connected and trained by, you know, acupuncturists to do the gua sha. And then for me to just like stay connected and really stay in, in what's current in the gua sha world, it's, it, it has been really good because it feels like we're really honoring the practice to the best of our ability um, and trying to like, you know, keep it relevant in our own lives. I'm also curious too, like on the front of juggling multiple, uh, multiple things and then also doing something that might seem outside of like today's norms of how people are building businesses. Like, um, were you guys ever tempted to take the outside investment like, and, and go in a different direction? And what is it, how, what have been kind of like a, a couple of the challenges of doing something on your own terms outside of that normal standard system? Because I think it's so, it's so uh, expected nowadays to take on outside funding and try and grow things as fast as humanly possible and to uh, be influenced in the way that you're doing things by these outside pressures. So it is in some ways a unique situation to have three partners that are all aligned in the same general vision and, and also aligned in the way that you want to bring that vision to life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think there was a time when we were like, we need outside investment and we need it right now. And then in kind of working backwards to, how do we get the right investors? How do we how do we match make ourselves as people who are working professionals in, you know, whether it's me and Britta also working from our offices and Jill who also has two kids at home and I also had a kid at home. Um, you know, there was an expectation that we would be in an office that would be working a certain amount of time every single day um, and that it would have to fit in kind of like a little bit of like a masculine format, frankly. Um, and maybe with this pandemic, that's changing what that looks like. But um, I was just reading an article about how the pandemic will actually make it like more possible for female entrepreneurs who are also moms to like capitalize on the ability to work from home. But I mean, that's kind of a model that's expected of you in taking on certain investments. And um and we had to really ask ourselves, like, do we want to continue to bootstrap it or do we want to live in that model? And, you know, our business is growing in a way that we're like, well, let's just like, you know, white knuckle it and like try to grow ourselves. 
I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Jill. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, um, that's definitely like sums it up. I think for sure. We, like I had said before, is we definitely, we had pretty much every single venture capitalist that invests in indie brands calling us. We met with like probably six or seven or eight different people. Um, so people were more than willing to invest in us, but we, um, and that was like, we really entertained those opportunities. But what it came down to was like what Gianna said was realizing that like, we're glad we opened ourselves up to this to really understand what the right path was for us. And now we know that that's that like taking outside investment was probably not the right path for us. Uh, somewhat out of my own pure personal curiosity, how do you guys manage? Um, how do you guys manage the communication between partners, making sure that you guys are aligned while juggling so much? and having different, uh, different aspects of business and personal life going on simultaneously. Yeah, we, I mean, we have a weekly call that we meet every week, um, for a few hours and we spend time on email, you know, and connecting that way as well as texting each other and calling. So we're just like always in touch remotely kind of like how people are working now. Um, so we're just, you know, doing, we just have been working remotely since day one, really. Um, and we obviously get together for certain things that we were doing. Um, but, uh, but primarily we've been working from home remotely with each other. So. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, uh, our group all works remotely and we have before uh, the pandemic even happened. But I feel like now people have almost like lowered their guard or at least like gotten rid of the general stigma that was around rem remote work. Yeah. And also the fact that people are all human and have shit going on yeah. in other areas of their life that they're, juggling at the same time and i've found it almost like refreshing yeah. that um that people's expectations have changed and also just become more integrated in the way that you talk to people in business like absolutely that there's a mutual understanding that life is happening yeah them. oh i totally agree i mean an example was when we first launched the brand, we went out to New York to meet with a bunch of editors to kind of launch our brand, which I think was really valuable to have those face-to-face -face meetings. Um, but Gianna having just had a child and me having two young children at home and then doing this New York trip for several days. And like, it was like, not only obviously like super exhausting and at the time costly for us, um, because we didn't really have very much to spend on travel in New York. Um, but we were like, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> you know, like, we're really glad we did that, but we're not going to do that again. And like our, our, our PR team was like, oh, but you kind of have to, like, you, you can't really like meet with editors on zoom. Like it doesn't really work that well. And so we're like, why don't we try it? You know, we had to kind of like 
encourage them to like give us the opportunity to meet with editors on zoom. And what's so nice is like, now that's like totally the norm. And like next week we're doing, not only are we meeting with editors on zoom, we're meeting with like seven editors at one time on zoom. I'm like, this has become so much more efficient. I'm like so happy about this. Yeah. I also feel like you can meet more people. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, obviously like it's hard to meet people in person and now it's like so expected that you're going to do it through zoom. Yeah. And although it's not as powerful being in right person, it's pretty close. Yeah. No, it's, and yeah, people are more available because it's less, it requires less of people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm also curious, like just again, for personal reasons with being moms, having a business, having multiple businesses, like how do you each personally manage your time and think about integrating work and life or or the split between the two? I mean, for me and Gianna, you can speak to this as well. I'm like, I mean, from, from, uh, like just in general, I'm super multitasker and very productive person. Um, so I'm just always multitasking constantly. Um, and I have an office in my home and I work in my office and then I'm like in between, you know, taking care of my kids. Um, one is napping right now. (laughs) The other one, I'm not sure where he is. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's just like a multitasking thing for me. Like I'm, you know, I'll be working on my computer while they're like playing in the grass outside. So for that, it's like kind of like a combined thing. And then other times I'll just be like super focused in my office. And other times I'll be like, okay, I'm like not working. I'm super focused on my kids, you know? So for me, it's just like being a multitasker and working when I can take the opportunity. And, um, I'm just like a productive person. So I'm not really like, I don't do a lot of like sitting around anyways. So if I'm not working or like focusing on my kids then I'm like doing chores or something, you know, like I'm like constantly doing something. So for me, working from home is like really easy. You know, I'm not one of the people that like doesn't work as productively at home. You know, like I know that that's something people are going through right now where they're like not as productive when they're at home versus the office. Like I feel the opposite. I feel like I'm more productive at home than in the, when working in the office, which is how I've worked for like most of my career is in an office. So for me, I feel like it works fine. I mean, it's, it's really challenging because you don't just have the eight hours to like focus on your job, but in the same way, it's, it's almost like for me better because if I'm just like at work for eight hours with my like half an hour lunch break, it's, there's dynamicness by being able to work with your team and everyone being around you and being able to really get things done like that. But then there's just, honestly, there's a lot of just like sitting behind your computer and working and it, it gets kind of like draining, you know, and you don't have as much of that creative fire. So for me, I feel like it's a better environment. It works. It works for me. But yeah. Gianna, do you have thoughts? Yeah, I think um, it's it's been you know, my, my baby was obviously more of a newborn and I had this like rocky start of trying to become a new person and become like a new, an entrepreneur in a new way. And, and it was, I just feel like it was like this one day at a time 
pushing through the hard moments, um, you know, being like pregnant and staying up until like one or 2 AM, just trying to like get our website up. And, and then now that I've kind of like been through that, like there's this understanding that like you can you really can do anything and you if you put your mind to it and I'm I don't have to go through that period of time of like having young children and then and then at some point have to like rediscover my professional self because I've been like a mom full time like I did it all at the same time and as crazy as it was I'm like grateful for that for that experience um and it's like every day as she, you know, she started like throwing really terrible tantrums over the past two weeks. It's like a totally new chapter of like, oh, how do I, how do I now deal with like having to take calls amidst this or whatever, whatever it is that I was used to doing when I was like walking her on a stroller or whatever. It's like, it's this constantly evolving dance. Um, but definitely like having support. I've had like, you know, help with her. Um, a few days a week, which has been like, that is like a, a lifeline for me, for sure. Do you guys, do you guys have things that are coming up later this year that you're super excited about for the brand or products that you're, you're working yeah, on? Yeah, in anything? the Aura, we just, our body products, we just launched this week. Like we announced it yesterday. Um, so that we're super excited about. We've been working really hard on, offering the body gua sha, which is the roots of gua sha have been started on the body and just getting a lot of feedback from our customers wanting to have a tool or, or practice for the body. So we just launched that. So we're super excited about that. And it comes with a full collection. We have a body brush and an act like a, a serum activator and an oil and then the, the tool. Um, so that's, we're super excited about. And then just continuing to kind of offer the, the, we've kind of tried to go, this is our second launch. We're a little over a year old. We still feel like it's so new for so many people. And we're still so like in the outreach phase that we're still just kind of trying to stick. We, we created the the body cause we just wanted, we felt like people really wanted it and we felt like we needed to have it and offer it. Um, and then we also, had launched a second tool um, on our Empress, the Gua Sha tool for tension in the jaw and the neck area and sculpting. Um, so we have two tools in that category. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of been, that's kind of what we have. And we'll probably just focus on those, the new launch and our current products as we go into holiday and um, just still being such a small team. We're just kind of, you know, we're not into launching so much stuff like as other brands are like every few months. So we'll just kind of let that spread its wings for a while and go from there. Well, thank you guys so much for, for taking the time to talk to me. I had a great time meeting yeah. you. Hopefully we can do a, a follow-up. I know. Absolutely. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, it was great to meet you guys. Thank you so much. Red receipt, red receipt, red receipt.